a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Is that Jesus can return at any time. He's not waiting for a Japanese nuclear power plant to melt down. No. The thing that's holding him back is his patience and love for lost humanity and nothing else. Uh, There there are no events that need to occur before Jesus comes back. And so seeing all the things that happen around us and saying, hey, hey, that means Jesus is coming. The answer is no, no. That's wrong. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Jesus can come at any moment. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And Luther says the only way that uh, the pronoun me and God could be in the same sentence is by this verb, have mercy. I've, got, I've given myself the new nickname. I've thrown aside all the other accolades that you toss at me so freely, Evan. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, they, uh, they, they feel like wine. Bull rider. Yeah, and uh, what else am I? I can't remember. I can't remember them, them all either. Them. They're just too <laughs> numerous. <laughs> 48 minutes of torture. This is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> you know the beginning of the bump? I... <laughs> It came on. I said, wait, that sounds like me. Oh, <laughs> are you serious? How many times have you heard that now? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. In uh, today's broadcast of Table Talk Radio, we're playing Witch Ladder with Pastor Wolfmuller's favorite uh, video ever. Um, yes. He sent this to me, and he, it was entitled A Case Study in... Oh, wait. Am I going to ruin it? For the? I don't want to reveal it because I want the the Witch Ladder game to be a mystery. Mystery. It's mysterious. (laughs) That has nothing to do with what the clip is about. No, nothing at all. (laughs) All right. Then after that, uh, we're going to be um, uh, responding to your emails. So if you have a question, email it to questions at tabletalkradio.org. Or you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-7652. We'll hit the voicemails as well. So, uh, Pastor Wolfman, do you have a theological buzzword for me? Indeed, I do. It is the word curie. This reminded me of the last show that we did when we were doing the Greek vocab quiz. Curios <laughs> is a Greek word meaning, the only reason I can remember that because it was yesterday. How many, why are we recording a show every day? Something because of you. Um, I, what is the problem? What is my problem? I have no idea. Anyhow, curie is a Greek word for Kyrios, uh, which means Lord, and it, but the, it's the beginning of this prayer that always comes up, Old Testament and New, where the people come to Jesus and they say, Lord, have mercy. It's the fundamental prayer. And in the offices of the church, you know, when we come to pray together as a congregation, there's always two prayers that are in every single office, and that is, first, the Lord's Prayer, and second is the Kyrie. It's in everything. I mean, it's in the suffrages, it's in the matins and vespers, and the divine service, always pray, praying the Kyrie. And normally, Kyrie and Lord's Prayer are right next to each other, Except in the divine service, when Kyrie comes at the beginning, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. And the Lord's Prayer comes later, uh, accompanying the Lord's Supper. Boy, look at you. So, I mean, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought you just did some show prep. But I know better, don't you worry. You do. <laughs> in fact, what did you say right before the show? Do you, <laughs> what? Are you ready? I said, no, I don't worry about that. <laughs> just go ahead. I'll Irrelevant question. <laughs> All right, my theological buzzword for you is benediction. Whoa! Yeah. Look at all this Greek-derived English words. Benedictio. Uh, we have a couple benedictions that we use in the church. Um, 
there's the ironic blessing, you know, from number six, you know, so the Aaron says, the Lord bless you and keep you, etc. Um, this was used in the temple and at synagogue at the end of, uh, of a service. And uh, this is one that Luther um, wanted to retain in the, in the church, too. And uh, it conveys that um, the, this, uh, the, the congregation um, has, uh, has received salvation of God by the means of grace and uh, is now blessed by the triune God. So this is what uh, we're saying in the benediction. And then there's also the apostolic benediction from 2 Corinthians 13, um, etc., which we use uh, usually at the end of like uh, prayer services like matins or vespers. Um, but this is uh, what a benediction is, so benediction. Good. I wonder what the points are like this show. I'm starting to think whoa, about that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get ahead of yourself. You've got at least you know, three segments 48 to minutes. that out. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that. Okay, yeah. so uh, why don't you first explain the rules of which ladder, and then we'll get, get oh, yeah. into it. Okay, we're playing that already. Now, the way this thing works is there was this fellow, fellow that we'd like to talk about, uh, Adolf Caberly, who wrote this fantastic little book. At least I know the first five pages are fantastic. So in these first five pages, <laughs> he talks about the three different ladders that man builds to heaven. <laughs> See, that's funny because <laughs> Pastor Wilson doesn't read books. And secondly, because you really do get the three ladders that right away in the book. And then the, then the rest, you're just trying to figure out how this German, what this German is talking about. <laughs> I know that after you get past the three ladders, you're like, wait a minute. This is pretty dense. At least that's what I've heard from people that have tried to read it before. I don't read anything longer than 10 pages, by the way. I'm, we're doing this journal? Really? Oh, by the is way, dear true? listener, that, around is... the word journal.com, you can go to this journal that we're doing. This thing's going to be like 120 pages, which means I, even though I am the editor of the thing, am not even going to be able to read it. Way too long. It's got way too much doctrine, <laughs> theology, Bible study, and all this stuff in it. I am, though, I don't need to be reading it because I am officially, have I told you this? The executive director of theological awesomeness? Did, <laughs> did, did I tell you that? that? You know, we made a we made a LLC for this, uh, you know, a corporation so that people, if there's something bad, if someone, if their journal Resist. catches on fire, they can't sue <laughs> us and take my house. Whatever. Right, right. So we made an LLC, and the government may, wants you to make up your position, tell you what position you are in the company for the LLC. So in some <laughs> government office somewhere, there's a piece of paper that says Brian Wolfmuller, Executive Director of Theological Awesomeness. I, I would love it if you end up getting sued and then you have to go to court. I would like to call to the stand the Executor of Theological Awesomeness, uh, Brian Wolfmuller. <laughs> <laughs> we should give ourselves names for this. Oh, we already have them. You're the theological. Wait, I'm the theological bull rider. Bull rider. So, you're right. Yeah, it's and you're the uh, radio clown. I would like to. I wonder. You know how everyone, how you and I both carry around in our back pockets our curricula vitae, all our life accomplishments, and on that it should say, uh, executive director of theological awesomeness, theological bull rider, and what else? I need something else. You Rand know how sometimes out. we actually play the games we're going to play. So, the three ladders are moralism, mysticism, and rationalism. And Caberly argues that these are the three ways that man tries to reach God. Moralism, through good works. Rationalism, through thinking, sorting things out. And, uh, and mysticism, through the internal, immediate experience of the divine nature. Sometimes emotions, but it's not just emotionalism. It's more than that. It's this immediacy sort of uh, thing. Let's, so, let's, these are the can, three can we ladders. we talk about that? Because this came up recently. Uh, what is the difference between... And, and I think I know the answer, but what's the difference between mysticism and emotionalism? 
Well, first of all, emotionalism doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with God. So you could just, I mean, you could get, you could have kind of an emotionalistic kind of person there, and they get very moved by pictures of cats on the internet and stuff. I mean, so it's not, emotionalism is not nece- necessarily theological. But, but mysticism, so mysticism brings a lot, it brings a lot of theological assumptions with it that emotionalism doesn't. Emotionalism says that the chief, our chief experience as human beings is an emotive one. It's this non-rational, emotional reactive reaction to things. But mysticism brings along with it the understanding that man is good enough to experience the presence of God, and that God is interested enough to let us experience his immediate presence. And when we say immediate, by the way, we don't mean like right away. We mean unmediated. There's nothing that stands between the divine nature and our psyche. Right. Okay, so uh, what what clip do you have? Is, You're supposed uh, to laugh when you, I say psyche. I was laughing harder at the the pictures of kittens. I mean, how did you know what I was doing earlier? <laughs> that, by the way, is the name, the full name of the rapper who said uh, Gangan style, psyche. It's psyze, you know, the short. Hmm. Anyhow, that's how relevant I am. <laughs> that's about if, it. If folks. anyone's wondering out there, I wonder how relevant <laughs> Pastor Wolfmuller is. Now you know. Well, he he knows the the most Psy, popular dance song at the moment. That's about all the relevancy he has. I'm going to stand up and do and do the dance during the break. <laughs> oh joy! Now now all of our listeners are are thrilled that we're not doing this live on YouTube. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this this thing is a this video that we're going to listen to. It's a video. The audio of this video that we're listening to is a it's the advertisement for a retreat center. I don't even know where this is, but it is in Hot Sulphur Springs, Colorado. Your neck of the woods. Ooh, dang! Are you going to go over there and and, and you know give a, give a copy of this show to these guys? I've never I've never been there. No, I've never been there. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where is Hot Sulphur Springs in relation to? Aurora? I'm looking it up right now. Okay, well, um, we have about 50 seconds before we have to go what? to a break. So, tell you what, why don't? That was a complete waste of time. Why do we <laughs> no, go to break it's early? Not a waste Can we do time that? Because during this break, our listeners are going to go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and they're going to check out our merchandise shop, and they're going to find that there's Table Talk Radio bibs. To, to get some, uh, you know, baby vomit all over, um, and there's a little doggy dish, you know, the fine fine dining for your for your uh, four legged friend. Um, I should get that for my dog. For Sage, yeah, the hippie named dog. <laughs> it's not a hippie. Every, anything organ related to your you dog. is hippie related. Uh, Your and, dog and probably wishes it, he was being in Colorado. Isn't it? <laughs> isn't it funny that you always accuse uh, Oregonians and anything Oregon related to be hippie, but yet it is the state of Colorado, mind you, that voted in the use of marijuana when the state of Oregon voted it down. Did just, you see me, by the way, giving Professor Plus his book wearing a fleece? That was pretty bad. That style oh, right there. No. It's classy up in here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go to commercial break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We will get back. We're playing Witch Ladder first with this promotional video for Toth Ministries located in Hot Sulphur Springs, Colorado. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't go Because I'm a picker, I'm a grinner, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. I play my music in the sun. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight toker I get my loving on the run 
not really one of the best decisions you've made today. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, and now it is time for everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game called Which Ladder, and here is... Oh, no, I forgot to pull it up. Just, why don't you tell us something exciting? Oh. Yeah, so I'm looking at the pictures of the Tothman. This this clip, by the way, is going to... As it, we will talk about the ladder which it demonstrates. We'll kind of start and stop and comment, etc. But it's going to be a demonstration, too, of the difficulty of critiquing said ladder. Mm. Uh, that is going to become pretty apparent, I think, especially when you watch the video, etc. So, all right, um, so let's let's, let's pay a listen here. I've been the skeptic that you know God doesn't doesn't talk to everybody. Um, I've been there, and like to see firsthand that God does. <laughs> And I'll provide the sacrifice. When people really realize that God is actually real, because isn't that the question to all of our cynical brains and hearts is to go, is all of this actually real? I will open up inside, feel me up. When I think of the skeptics, especially in the church, um, you know, I've been there. I've seen that. I've gone down the road of, of, of hearing all the right words, doing all the right things, going through all the right um, motions, and I've seen how powerless it is. Right? I've seen um, people just hurting and hoping to be transformed. I've had, you know, my, my brothers have just walked away from the church because just they don't see anything. There's no, nothing different. No one's any different. Uh, why don't we? Can we stop it there? Can we pause and and unpause? What is it? What's the opposite of pause? Uh, the opposite of pause is play. Okay, good. let me jot that down. <laughs> okay, uh, so so do you have a hunch so far what this could be? What ladder? Yeah, I'm just so here he comes. The video starts with this. He says, "I used to doubt that God talked to everybody." So, so already now we've this is really. I mean, this video is well done. It's it's already telling us at the very beginning what the conclusion is going to be, and it's going to be this. God talks to everybody, and that's going to be the purpose of this ministry and of this of this retreat center, to be a because because being talked to by God is not just something that that happens. You you have to provide the mm, the what you have to provide the the proper surroundings. You have to be you have to be tuned in. You have to. Or maybe you have to be tuned out. I'm not 100 percent sure, but you gotta you gotta be away from distractions. You gotta be listening. You gotta. It's like it's like God is like a radio station, but you gotta tune into the right station. And to tune into that station is gonna take a particular a particular and unique effort uh, to do that. So this so this ministry is going to demonstrate that God does talk to everyone. And then the second thing that they started to talk about this question is God actually there? Well, He will be. He, he will prove that he's there by speaking to you, and it will be seen in acts of power and transformation. 
So God will so that so that seeing a transformed heart, that God's speaking and now transforming your heart, will be a demonstration of God's real presence. So this is what we have so far, right? Am I getting it right so far? Yeah, so far. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is measured, by the way, should we say, through the emotions, because um, there's no uh, power of God meter sitting around. You know, I mean, they don't have like these little, you know. Uh, you know those little dancing needles, you know that like for the for the you know like a, an audio meter, you know that you don't have mm-hmm. that bouncing around for for the power of God. So the only way that it, that you know the power of God is is through uh, that it's felt through your emotions. Okay, yeah. right. So that might yeah, or at least it's on the inside. I mean, it's not an external thing; it's an internal thing. So something's going on on the inside because God is actually going to speak to you individually. That's the that's the thing that's going to happen here. So. Okay, well, let's, let's continue right. on. You provide the Spirit. Getting my generation, your generation, and even some of the younger generations, because religion will disappoint. Whether it's works or uh, fear, it will, it will fail us every time. Um, but getting back to intimacy, our inheritance, it's just freedom right so just up there up there intimacy uh what so here he's contrasting different ways of looking at uh of christianity he says religion will disappoint whether it's works or fear now this is a different guy so an old guy uh maybe it was like grandpa toth or (laughs) works or fear will disappoint but we got to get back to intimacy and inheritance so this is so 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 what this is, what what this is doing is it's setting two things against each other. So works and fear versus intimacy, inheritance, and one other word. Do you, did you get that other? Mm-mm. And and the, uh, there's he said another word: intimacy and inheritance, and maybe love or something. And then the and then the verse comes up on the screen. I don't want the presence of God Himself. I don't want anything at all to do with religion. All I uh, oh sorry, I want the presence of God Himself. I don't want anything at all to do with religion. So that the presence of God and intimacy with God is contrasted against works and 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 what's called religion. Hmm. Now we know a couple of things. One, we know that mysticism will set itself against uh, both rationalism and moralism. That these things are always they're they're always seeing themselves in contrast with the other. Uh, so that this is he, this mysticism is now contrasting itself with moralism, and Evan, I think this is one of these things that we really got to pay attention to, because because when because mysticism presents itself as the enemy of works righteousness, mysticism presents itself as a passive reception of the gift of God, which is what we as Lutherans are all about, the passive receptivity of God's gifts. Uh, the rejection of works righteousness, you see, mm-hmm. so that we we in a lot of ways it, we we are open to this danger of the enemy of my enemy is my friend, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, all right, yeah. So, uh, and, and you have, as you said before, uh, Pasha, that you have you know uh, ladders go against each other. So um, you also have this kind of anti uh, intellectualism too. I think at least that's what it's getting at with the religion thing. Mm-hmm. You think so? Um, mm-hmm. So that not only is it uh, uh, works and fear, moralism, but it's, you know, anti-religion, 
um, which maybe works too. At least their their perceived criticism of religion is that it's works based, or that it's um, intellectual based. It's it's doctrine or doctrine based. Yeah, listen to this quote. I mean, this is on the screen, so I don't think they're going to read it. But this is the A. W. Tozer quote. When watch what it contrasts. I don't want. Uh, sorry, I want the presence of God. I don't want anything at all to do with religion. So religion is contrasted with God's presence. You see that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So this, so the talk of presence, the talk of intimacy, all of this talk. These are just key. These are just mystical buzzwords uh, that are that are just coming out all over the place. Yeah. All right. Let's let's hear a little bit more. Oh, stop there! <laughs> Did you hear? Man. The, so the, you hear the song in the background, by the way. What is it? The prayer over and over is Feel. "Fill me up." Remember how this? I mean, when we crunch the praise songs, that the mysticism is always talking about being full, and God is like a—it's a substance that's pouring into us, and all these, uh, and and all of these liquid metaphors. The song also had at the very beginning the fire metaphor. So now, you know, this idea of being consumed—that that's all there as well. All right, better keep going. Okay. When we say awakening hope, when we say awakening the sleeping giant of the American church. Um, I mean, we really want to connect people with the, the actual presence, the actual visible manifestation of God himself. Um, yes, we want to be great with our theology here, but we are enamored with the theophany, the actual presence, the, <laughs> the manifestation of God just completely blowing the doors open in people's hearts. I get so, so excited. Up there. Now, you have... so. Uh, you have, do you see, we want awakening, which is another way, awakening sort of thing. And you see, this awakening and enlightening kind of go together is that there's this kind of boom, this thing that hits you. And and now it's it says, we want, what we want is the actual presence, the visible manifestation of the actual presence of God. I mean, that that's that very, that's a very specific thing. Wouldn't that be disappointing? I mean, the actual visible presence. I mean, you'd be waiting around a long time, don't you think? Oh, because oh, it would never come? Well, if it did come, you wouldn't even know it because all of a sudden you'd be in heaven because it would destroy us. <laughs> I mean, this is the pro. This is the, well, I don't know if it's the problem or the central problem, but this is one of the huge problems of mysticism is that the Bible says that we cannot see God and live. Nobody has seen God and lived. Remember that? God has to show, he has to cover himself. He has to hide himself. He has to show his backside. He has to, he has to come mediated. That's how God comes. If he came directly, we would be undone. We would be, we sinners cannot, we do not have the capacity to experience the immediate, indirect presence of God. And then, and we'll have to talk about this on the other side of the break, it's going to contrast theology with theophany. This is just fascinating. Oh, this is great. All right, that after this break on Table Talk Radio, and then after we finish playing the game Which Ladder, we're going to be uh, looking at your emails. So if you have a question for us, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, we'll be right back. In a recent survey, 98% of listeners can't stand Table Talk Radio. We would like to express our gratitude to those who did not participate in the study.
we really want to connect people with the, the actual presence, the actual visible manifestation of God Himself. Um, yes, we want to be great with our theology here, but we are enamored with the theophany, the actual presence, the, the manifestation of God just completely blowing the doors open in people's hearts. That is uh, Matt Toth of Toth Ministries, and this is uh, what is before us then on which ladder. Now, uh, Pastor, here he makes some sort of a uh, dichotomy oh, between a, um, or a, yeah, a distinction between theology and theophany. I think this, I mean, this is so fantastic. Now, you're watching this video, right? I mean, you who are listening are not actually watching this video, but if you were watching <laughs> pretend, this video... Pretend maybe, we were watching this video. We could put the link up there. This is, you sure. look at this, you look at these people that are talking, and you just, you just like them. I mean, and the, and the genuine, I, I have no question of the f- fantastic genuineness of the, of, of, of the people there, uh, and... and and this points to, the, I think, one of the difficulties of uh, of critiquing mysticism, because of the the kind of anti the anti theological ness of mysticism. It, it almost is. Um, it almost of itself despises the critique. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're if you're arguing with a rationalist, you got no problem because they'll tell you that you're wrong, and you can tell them that they're wrong, and that's you know that's fine. Nobody cares. But when you're trying to critique mysticism, it's very difficult because normally the people who are mystic are have also a real kind of a gentleness to them. I mean, it's one of the kind of one of the, it's one of the marks of mysticism. And it's tough. I mean, I look at these guys and I'm like, man, it seems like a really nice guy. So, so but what you're, he's just dead wrong. What you're saying that's, is that that that's oftentimes sort of um, you know atheological. Then you come to them with the theological critique, and they're like, hey, we're atheological. Right. We're, well, they, I mean, they wouldn't say this. They would say, well, we're all just about we're just about loving Jesus. Yeah. So, so well, we're we're not subject to your theological critique because look, we're right. Loving Jesus. Or or now we are the anti-lovers of Jesus. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. It's tough. So it's, it's, it may be just a reminder when you're, whenever you're working with a mystic to try to work gently and with patience. In other words, don't do what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You don't think but, that we're gentle enough? <laughs> this distinction <Crushed>. between, <laughs> this distinction between, between the theology and the theophany is just amazing. Theophany means the vision of God or the the appearance of God. So we talk about the Old Testament theophanies in the in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, or when the angel of the Lord appears to Joshua, or when the Lord walks in the garden with Adam and Eve. We call it a theophany, or even better, we call it a Christophany. It's Jesus there, and that's maybe the point: is that whenever God shows up, He comes mediated through at least. He comes mediated through the flesh of Jesus or through something else, like fire or cloud or something. So even the theophany is not the immediate presence of God. Uh, the visions and dreams that people had in the Old Testament. And this gets to an email that we have. I better wait to get the yeah. this is This is God coming in a mediated form, even when he comes to the prophets. So uh, so we have this. But, but, there's, but, but what, what Matt here is saying in the video is that what we're more interested than the theology, we are interested in this direct and immediate experience of God's presence. And that's what we're here for, which is pure mysticism. All right, let's continue. So excited to see people, the hope awakened in them that there's actually a father that wants to encounter them, that wants 
to talk to them, that wants to sing with them, that wants to play with them. Not so that they can have a really sweet high here and go, that was warm and fuzzy and I feel really loved right now, but to actually change the way people think, the way that they actually change their posture in front of God, empowering them to worship privately, that changes everything with their family, their church, um, but more than anything, their one-on-one private history with God himself. Now, I'm going to stop it there. I, I wish that I had a uh, running tally of how many times he uses the word actually, but this should this should tell us something, that they're playing against something that isn't actually, you know? So th- they're trying to say, hey, look, um, there's a perception that God isn't actually in a place. Now, we too say that God is present um, at worship um, or uh, in the Lord's Supper, for example. But how is it that God is is actually present? Um, mm-hmm. It's according to his promise, right? So it's not because mm-hmm. he's felt or, um, you know, because, uh, you know, we can philosophically explain that, oh, this is just the, the appearance of bread, but, you know, it's really his body, something like this. Um, we can just say, hey, look, this is what God promised, so he must be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and and we can just let it let it stand as his promise, even though it may not even feel like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll continue. That's what's different here, is you've got a place that's anointed, and then you've got people that are anointed that are walking closely with Jesus. They're listening to him, they're hearing him, they're worshiping him, they have an an enormous hunger for him. And that hunger spills out, it presses out into anybody who comes into contact with Tilt Ministries. If God doesn't show up and the presence of God doesn't come, um, we don't have a plan B. We just don't want to be another cool retreat center um, or ministry that that just gives people a really good getaway. Uh, we're, that is not what we're about. We really want to empower. We want to not just free people, but keep them free. Empower them so they can stay free. And uh, encounters with God himself in the presence of God is the only way that it will pierce a cynical heart. I will meet somebody who's a Christian or known or been a part of church for a long time. It's like, wait, God speaks? Like God speaks to you? Does that mean he speaks to me? Or are you just a special person? Are you just one of those people? And it's awesome and I would like to get to know you because I can hear more about my father. And it's like, no, like this is available to all of us. Like, I'm not special. <laughs> We're all special. Like. He loves his kids. Uh, I mean, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, all in the background. And then it's mm-hmm. it's it's not about you have people that are anointed, that hear the presence of God, that desire him. And this is how now we all should be, that we that we are all receiving directly from God uh, his own words, that God is speaking immediately, directly to all of us. We're all becoming prophets. Uh, this is this is what they're trying to, you know, this is what they're trying to create. This is for them Christianity, and anyone who doesn't have this, who doesn't hear directly from God, who doesn't have this anointing, who doesn't uh, who doesn't have this um, this uh, immediate connection with the divine nature, 
is not living in the fullness of their Christian faith. I mean, this is, I mean, the reason why I wanted to do this video on this, sh in this show is, I mean, it is a case study in mysticism. This is just getting you, to, it is a perfect example of how the mystic thinks and, and looks at, um, and looks at life and the faith and mankind and God. Yeah. Just stunning. Yeah. Let's hit back to, so we can get more of this audio in before the break. Uh, let's, All right. Let's go back to it. I don't think I'll ever be the same. That's cliche, but I don't. I think that so much has changed. It's one of those landmark points in your life where you can't go back to how it was before. How my life is going to change is everything has changed. When people hear that God actually speaks to his kids, and that's one of the things he enjoys the most, it's really hard to, to entertain and fuel the cynical fire. People that have come here leave transformed. They leave more in love with Jesus. They leave with more peace. They leave with more joy. We have walked and we have seen in the last three years things that we did not see the 20 years previous in walking with God that have blown our minds of what's available. My personal transformation is uh, phenomenal. So I know how hard-headed I am. And if I can do it, we all can do it. I hope that on everybody. Yes, it's an incredible backdrop. It's an incredible place. We have a lot of energy. We have a lot of fire for what we're bringing. But our end game is how do you keep people free? How do you empower the church? How do we empower ourselves? And, and we're doing that every day. We're figuring out new ways to walk intimately with God. Love of God. And here we have the quote. Do you see that? I think one thing that remains is looking in the face of God for ourselves. You see that? Yeah. yeah. Oswald Chambers quote up there. I, oh, man. I found it interesting that, and we're just short on time here, but I found it interesting that what's kind of the opposite side of feeling, being intimate with God, you know, being empowered, all this is, is cynicism and hard-headedness, <laughs> you know? So that now if, if you aren't sharing in this, um, this experience, it's because you're being cynical or because you ha you're being hard-headed. Right. Um, and so now uh, this kind of goes into what we were saying before, that now you're above critique because uh, you're just hard-headed. And if you don't experience it, then, then you need to not be so cynical. We need to hit a break, and then we'll be right back here on Table Talk Radio. My mind up, I'm stubborn as a mule, oh, baby, I'm hard-headed, and I'm soft-hearted, and I'm bound and determined to be set in my way. How many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? You'll probably have to settle for one. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. All right, Pastor, that does it for Toth Ministries. What are your uh, concluding thoughts here? No, I can't. I can't remember if we were talking about this during the break or in the last segment, where you were talking about how there's this difficulty in bringing a critique because 
Was that on the air? Or yeah, we're talking about being hard-headed and, and, and yeah. cynical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cynicalness there. And now you, you've, you've removed yourself and you've kind of removed yourself from critique. But look, here, here, I mean, can, can we say that Jesus loves us, that God has us tenderly as his children, that God wants, does, does everything so that we could be his own and that he wants to, um, and that he wants to draw near to us and he wants to speak tenderly and that there's a great deal of, of laughter and joy and comfort and peace in the, in, in Christ and in his word of, of life for us. Yes, yes, indeed. But, but, but how does he get that to us? Does he get it? Does he get that to us by, by some sort of internal and immediate sort of experience that's brought about by, by, by being brought into the mountains and being with other anointed people, or does he give that to us in the preaching of the gospel, in his word, uh, in his sacraments? And the answer is that the, it's, it is precisely the gospel. And the preaching of the gospel that the Lord has instituted to bring us that gift, his compassion and his love and his mercy. And it should give us great joy that we know that God looks on us not as his enemies, but as friends. That God, when God looks upon us, even in spite of all of our sinfulness and all of our misery and all of our dying and all of our temptation and weakness and, and just and, and the filth of our own rotting, stinking, sinful flesh, and he looks upon us and still he smiles at us and that he sends his son to die for us and that he holds nothing back so that he could say, I love you and I have you as my own. That Should that give us joy and it should give us peace? Indeed, it should give us joy and should give us peace. But that joy and peace comes precisely from the gospel, from those things that the Lord has instituted. And not from these mystical experiences, which take us away from the word. Right. So they come from the outside to us, yep. uh, rather than looking. Because, because look, when 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 you, when you're basing all this, uh, the forgiveness, the God's love, and all this, based upon the joy, you know, the kind of the response. Um, now you're looking inward, and you're not looking to the cross, and you're looking inward, thinking, "Well, where's my joy? Is my joy enough?" Mm-hmm. You start to you start to. Uh, quantified joy i'm not joyful as that guy yeah yeah oh man and if you if you are if you have this mystical if you, if you are in the midst of some mysticism or you have this going on yourself or you know friends that you're going to know this now this this up and down now i feel close to god now i feel far from god now i'm trying to get back into the presence of god and now i'm trying to be more worshipful because i want to experience the presence of god because it brings with it a certain degree of comfort but that comfort is fleeting and it leaves and now you wonder has god abandoned you you now I know this, and everyone who's had mystical training in a mystical church knows this difficulty, this struggle, this this not knowing if if because I feel far from God, well, maybe I am far from God, and I need to do I didn't need to do more to get back into His presence. I need to I need to worship longer. I need to uh, I need to abandon more things, surrender my own life, and it's this treadmill of this up and down. And we, we want to come right into the midst of that and say. If you feel far from God, it doesn't matter. You're not. He promised it. I'll never leave you or forsake you. If you feel like you're a poor, miserable sinner and that God has abandoned you, you're not because he promised you're forgiven. If you feel like God has has, has, has left you on your own and has left you to die, uh, that he's nowhere around, then you can know that that feeling is a lie. 
It's it's a lie from your own sinful flesh, and it's a lie from the devil himself, because God has given promises in spite of your feeling. John, again, John says, uh, we if our heart does not condemn us, but we have one greater than our heart, and that's Jesus. He is greater than your heart, greater than your feelings, greater than your experiences, greater than your sensations. And he's the one who says, you're my child, you're forgiven. I mean, that's what we're after. And that causes joy and comfort and peace that cannot be threatened by the ups and downs of our own sinful nature or the ups and downs of our life in the sinful world. It cannot be threatened or taken away by the devil himself because it's given to us by God and it comes from the outside. And that's what true worship is about, is about hearing that objective and true statement that doesn't depend on anything but the, but the ability of the inability of Jesus to lie. And that Jesus, the good shepherd whose voice we hear in the scriptures, says, I have died for you, and I have forgiven your sins, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. I've gone to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you will be also. And he's the one who sent out his apostles to preach and say, whoever sinned you forgive, they are forgiven in heaven itself. That's the kind of certainty that we're after, and that's why we're railing against your your praise song crunching jerks, because that mysticism takes away the comfort that Jesus wants his Christians to have, the comfort of the gospel, the comfort that you will be in heaven with him, the comfort that in the resurrection you will dwell before his face forever, and then you will see him face to face, because then all sin will be taken completely away from you. But until then, we have all of this by faith, and faith needs a promise, not a presence. Faith needs a promise to believe in. So worship and preaching and the church is not about the presence of God, at least not without his promises. It's about the promises of forgiveness and life and mercy and salvation. That's what this is about. And that's what mysticism is taking us away from, why the devil loves it so much, etc. Are you there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. You're killing me. You thought you had to record the Do whole thing. Again. <laughs> See, the reason that's funny is Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Wolfmiller already went on that tirade once, and we got disconnected. He didn't realize he just kept talking and talking and talking. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Someone's trying to get on the highlight reel. Man, well, you, want me, you want me to send this to Issues Etc. so you can be soundbite of the week or what? I'll tell you this. I mean, this is <laughs> it, it. It gets to me because you know this. I mean, you know this. I get it too. That when we sit here and criticize mysticism, you're like, "Oh, you guys are just kind of being re- rude, mean, jerks." No, there's a there's there's a. I've never been very accused important. of such, by the way. All right, well. I have, and it's frustrating <laughs> because what you're after is the comfort of the gospel. I mean, that's what—that's why Jesus has you and I as pastors, you know, mm-hmm. so that we would deliver the comfort of the gospel. And it is really frustrating to see those people who are stealing away comfort with their mystical nonsense then criticizing you. Do you uh, think there's a connection, then, between the mystic and the uh, anti, anti-holy office people? So that, so that, hey, get out of the way, bub. We're trying to yes. have this direct oh, connection. Indeed, yeah. Anything that would threaten to be a mediator, like, I mean, you sit there and say, I forgive you your sins, and they rail against that. I don't need <laughs> someone to stand there and forgive my sins. I've never thought of that connection You're clear. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. You're clearing out the middle ground because it's all about the immediacy. Huh. Uh, the odd thing, though, the odd thing is that the mediator, the, the, you end up getting a mediator one way or the other, and the mediator that you get when you're a mystic is the praise song. Right. 
Right, the praise band. But they'll say, you know, and they'll say this, our whole purpose is to get out of the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, well uh, then get out of the way. <laughs> get out of there. That's what, I mean, that's what, Zwingli, or that's what Luther said to his mystics. He says, if God can speak without, uh, without the, apart from the word, then why does he need your words? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's what our friend Chris Tomlin said when we interviewed him. Remember that? Yes. Um, that uh, you know, the, the, he would always constantly talk about how his uh, biggest temptation of the of being a, a, a praise song singer or a, a you know praise band player is that uh, that you know he might accidentally get the glory for himself. And we were talking at the time about uh, the irony of that. I mean, how many how many organists walk out of the church going, "Man, I hope I didn't receive some of that glory for myself." I was I was really I was really playing the the organ wonderful today. I hope hope people weren't you know glorifying me there. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, right? yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, you know what? We've got about a minute left. So, oh man, um, want to do an email? <laughs> quick, yeah, go. Well, this is from Matthew in Ontario, Canada. Eh. We often talk about how mysticism is bad. It places one trust in one's emotions or experiences instead of the external word of God. Indeed, we do often talk about that. My question is, what about the Old Testament? Could they not be accused of mysticism? The prophets had visions and dreams from God. How is that not mysticism? This could also apply to the first century believers. And Acts and 1 Corinthians report prophets still being in existence. I think the difference is when God calls his prophets and apostles, he does so for the purpose of mediating his word. And while he does call them, we say immediately, in other words, apart from the mediation of the church, it was an objective call. They weren't looking for it. God, Jesus came and stood in front of them, which is how we are to understand the word of the Lord came to Amos or Isaiah, or one, that Jesus came and stood in front of them and said, hey, say this. And they didn't have a choice. It was very, very objective and external. That and they were then commissioned to then go speak this word to uh, to Israel or the church, yeah. and it wasn't that. See, this is what happens: is uh, everyone now, every Christian is looking to be an Amos. Everyone, every Christian is looking to be an Isaiah. You know, <laughs> and uh, that's not really how it was given. There was one prophet yep. amongst the whole church. Yep. So we did that in under a minute. That is fantastic. Bang. All right. Well, if you have any questions uh, about mysticism or anything else, any, anything else that was in Pastor Wolfman's rant, uh, you can uh, send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-7652, and you can uh, leave your question on our voicemail system. Uh, and also check out our website at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, for the Praise Song Cruncher criteria in our merchandise shop as well. Thank you for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the comfort, the enduring comfort of mysticism. (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.